You are listening to The Hemp Startup Journey. My name is Jason De Los Santos, co-founder of Spectrum Labs, a hemp extraction facility in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm sitting down with hemp entrepreneurs, scientists, and politicians willing to share their perspectives, lessons learned, and how we can make an impact on the hemp and cannabis industry for everyone. Nancy, thank you so much for joining me on the Hemp Startup Journey. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Jason. Yeah, it's so awesome to have you. Um, like I was telling you before the conversation, I've told the world about this conversation. Uh, so no pressure. <laughs> yeah, I'm feeling a little <laughs> bit pressure here. <laughs> uh, no, but all, all good things. So I've really been looking forward to it. And I know you have a wealth of knowledge. And I think you, just your experience and, and some of the, the great things that you've done with your company. And um, a, a quick question to start us off with. One of the things that I like to ask is if you're at a networking event, I know the world is different now, but you know, let's say pre-COVID uh, and somebody asked you, hey, Nancy, nice to meet you. Yeah. What do you do? How, how did you answer that? Or how do you answer that question? You know, I, I usually say that um, I, I own a cannabis business and then usually people think it's a dispensary. So then I have yeah. to clarify and explain that it's actually a manufacturing wholesaling brand. Yeah. So, but people, when you say cannabis, they immediately go to um, dispensary. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I imagine that not a lot of folks think um, about how those things are made, right? Like they just think mm -hmm. like just, just the, the, the last version that they see, oh, it comes in this form or in, it's mm -hmm. weed or whatever. They probably don't think about all the stuff that happens in the background, right. uh, which I'd love to get into a little bit. Um, and so then I, I've read about your story, but I'd love for you to share just how the heck did you get into this world? Because you, know, <laughs> yeah. you, have, you have to choose to be in the <laughs> cannabis and the hemp world. So how did that happen? <laughs> Well, Jason, the, the ongoing joke when people ask me that question is that I always say, I need a better backstory. Yeah. And what, <laughs> what I mean by that is that, um, you know, I've met, you know, just so many people have gotten into the industry for very uh, meaningful and, and often personally touching reasons. You know, they had a, a loved one or a family member who was, was helped by cannabis or, they were spurred on by social justice issues or all kinds of good reasons for getting in. And I always say, I got nothing, you know, but <laughs> so the, because the real, the real story is, is that it was rather random. Um, I happened to be talking to a neighbor who uh, was a commercial real estate developer. And I asked him, you know, how things were going. This was 2010 because Juan is now 10 and a half years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a tough time for commercial real estate. And he made a comment like, well, I've started a new business, but I'm not sure you would approve. And I made some kind of silly joke about, you know, what is it that I wouldn't approve of? And I won't tell you exactly what I said. But <laughs> <laughs> and he said that um, he said, I'm doing an infused soda pop. And although I was not at all new to cannabis, I was new to the language of legal cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I said, infused with what? I didn't even really know what he was talking about. Right. And he said, oh, it's infused with marijuana, which is what we called cannabis 10 years ago. And um, I said, oh, well, that's really intriguing. And you know, we started talking and um, long story short, uh, my partner and I ended up building out a, kitchen with him. And like many of those early relationships, it ended up being relatively uh, short term. Um, but I, I, I'm always grateful to him because he was the person who really 
kind of opened my eyes to the fact that there was such a thing as a legal cannabis industry. Um, but the interesting thing about it is, although I didn't get into the industry for anything looking like noble reasons, um, the truth is I actually didn't know that much about medical cannabis when I started. I knew quite a bit about recreational cannabis, but I didn't really know much about the medicinal uses of cannabis. Um, not that I didn't believe it, I just didn't know much about it. And so it really wasn't until uh, the business was up and running and the products were in the marketplace and we started getting you know, incredible feedback from our customers, our end customers, about how this, our products were helping them. Uh, and you know, I've just had unbelievable uh, experiences with people reaching out to me to tell me uh, what having access to our products has meant for them and, and their loved ones. Uh, and then it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is, this is real, you know? And then I was just completely fascinated by it and committed to it. Uh, so I didn't start out for the world's most noble reasons, but now, you know, I'm extremely passionate about the power of the plant and what it can do to, as we say in our tagline, enhance uh, your life. Yeah, I think that reminds me of the, uh, I think it's Ben Franklin uh, has that quote or had that quote, uh, doing well by doing good. Yeah. Uh, just that, you know, you're able to, to have a healthy company for yourself, for your employees by doing really good things for the people that consume your products. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's no, uh, growing up, my mom raised me to, to, to think about drugs and marijuana specifically as just something just inherently just awful. Uh, and then I'm in part of this world and similar to you, I, at first I saw the potential business opportunity and like, oh, that could be really cool. And, and I could see, I could see and hear and, and talk to folks that had used it and, and benefited from it. But until I actually saw and heard from customers and had people just in front of me saying like, this is what it did. Like that was a really striking moment and really impactful. It, it's a very visceral experience. You know, it's, it's different, different to read the studies yeah. about medical cannabis and what it can do for people. Um, it's very different than having somebody, as this actually happened to me, walk up to me at an event I was speaking at and tell me that he had come to introduce himself to me because our gummies had helped his son who was going through chemo and having a miserable time of it and wanting mm -hmm. to stop. Yeah. Our gummies had helped him get through. They'd helped him manage the pain. They'd helped him manage the nausea and he was able to keep going and now he was in remission. And when somebody tells you a story like that, what you're doing in the world takes on a whole different meaning. Yeah, it gave me chills. I mean, that, that's just a, a great story and, and hopefully something that keeps you going and, and yeah. your employees, right? Uh, and if we have time, I wanna get back, get it, uh, talk about vision a little bit because it seems like that's part of your, your thing uh, at your company. But uh, continuing on from that inception point, when you had zero customers, you were just figuring stuff out. You didn't know what was going on. You had this kitchen. You're like, what do we do with this? How do you, yeah. How did you start getting customers? Because that's always, you know, the, the questions like, you know, you start with something, it could be, or may not be a great idea. How do you start getting out there in the world? Well, you know, this was 2010. So it was the wild west and, yeah. and uh, Juana is based in Colorado and Colorado was really one of the first States to legalize, of course, as most States, uh, pretty much all that I know of, it started medical and then evolved to adult use uh, in 2014. But, um, you know, so this is back in the day, uh, there was no mandated testing, there was no mandated packaging, no child resistant uh, 
uh, packages, no labels. I mean, it was it was really pretty uh, pretty nascent, I guess I would say, and pretty amateurish. Mm -hmm. um, and so, really, what what we did and what everybody did at that point is we would go to dispensaries and say, "Hey, I've started an edibles line. Would you like to try it?" Uh, Sampling is a big thing in this industry, mm -hmm. uh, rightly so. People need to experience it before they know whether it's something they want to offer their customers. Now, the thing that was interesting about sort of back in the day for us sort of OG brands in, in Colorado is that um, the barriers to entry of getting on the shelf then were very different than they are today. Mm -hmm. You know, back then people were like, yeah, sure, I'll give it a try. We'll see if it sells. Um, you know, I'm not saying it was easy, but it wasn't sort of the same dynamic that we have today, where it's, it would be much, much more difficult for a brand new brand to do what I did back then, which is I knocked on a lot of doors. And um, Juana is a, you know, sort of the quintessential bootstrapped grassroots company. Uh, as I said, I started it with, with one partner. Um, it was really just the two of us when we started. And then, you know, we started to hire employees pretty quickly. But uh, it really was. It really was that. It really was going from dispensary to dispensary and, and or calling them and asking them if they'd be willing to take a sample and try it. Okay. Um, it, just to talk a little bit about that, uh, like hyper focused on that, because uh, I know there are a lot of folks that it, I guess their ego might get in the way, right? Like selling is is a very personal yeah. endeavor, and a lot of times you focus on yourself, and a lot of times people don't really care, right? They're just interested in what's going to help their business. Was that natural for you to sell, or did you have to figure out how to get over that? Well, you know, that's actually an interesting question, and and you you hit the nail on the head. So again. Let's you know rewind the the clock a little bit. This is 2010. Edibles, to put it mildly, were not a big deal. You know, mm -hmm. they were a tiny, tiny little portion of. Uh, it was a flower market. Everybody just wanted flour. So literally, sometimes people would do sort of the uh, equivalent of yawning in my face. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I've got a new edible. They'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you do. You know, you you definitely have to. You know, you you have to have a little bit of. Um, uh, tolerance for that. Uh, now, my background is actually in marketing. And um, before I started WANA, I actually had a consulting firm. Uh, and I was actually uh, focusing on marketing and sales and specifically sales training. So I did have a bit of a leg up. Uh, I understood how to sell. I understood consultative selling, you know, not just coming in and begging, please Pushing buy my stuff product, in somebody's face. Yeah, how to how to position things, how to talk about things, but um, yeah, selling is selling is really challenging. I have enormous respect for people who who do it and do it successfully and, yeah. and do it ethically. Right, um, and so back then it was relatively easy or, or easier than it would be today with all the competition. <clears throat> so if you had to start that over and you, you maybe you are with the, the CBD brand, like how do you think about selling, putting it out there when there's so much competition? Um, like obviously you have, might have a leg up with your brand, but maybe slightly different question is how would you start it if you were starting the company and you, like it's not one of brands, like you're just starting a new company uh, in today's market. How would you consider that and how to get the product out to the world? Yeah, well, it actually, it really does start with the product and it starts with having, particularly now when it is so competitive and there are literally thousands of brands out there 
and, and I'll talk a little bit about sort of some of the differences that I see between mm -hmm. the cannabis world and the hemp world because Great. they are quite different from each other. So the first thing I would say is, you know, don't worry about, do you have a cool name and a pretty logo and does your package look nice? Start with the value, start with the product. Have you created a product that the world needs? If it's already out in the marketplace, you really have to ask yourself, what is different or better about what I have created? Because uh, there's no reason for dispensaries at this point to put another Me Too product on the shelf. Um, you're either going to have to come in with uh, an extremely low price, you know, if you're going to be a value player, and that probably doesn't bode well for your long-term profitability and sustainability, or uh, you're going to need to come up with something that's truly differentiated at some level that really adds a different level of, of value. So in many ways, WANA benefited from when we just happened to get into the industry. Um, and our, our particular, uh, with the thing that we're best known for is our gummies, right? Mm -hmm. And so at that point in time, there were almost no companies doing gummies. Um, there was one company that was pursuing a different model. Uh, what they were doing was they were basically buying uh, gummy products off the shelf, uh, gummy bears, gummy worms, whatever, and they were spraying them with hash oil. Yeah. Um, and that was actually where we got the idea for gummies, which is, you know, gosh, we could do this better. If we made the gummies from scratch, they wouldn't taste like hash oil. You could be sure that they were homogeneous because the uh, THC is, is mixed into the gummy itself as opposed to spray on the top. Um, but now there's literally hundreds and hundreds of brands offering gummies. Um, so it would be much, much harder for uh, Iwana to come into the marketplace now and say, gee, I have an idea. I think I'll come out with a gummy. Everybody, again, would sort of collectively nod. Mm. So it is, I would say, the most important thing for a company out of the gate right now is to make sure that you have a product that is differentiated and a product um, that has a price point that is going to be acceptable in the market and is going to allow you as a company to run a profitable company that you can sustain over time. Okay. Um, and with CBD specifically, is that do you see that differently to position yourself uh, besides the, the differentiating points? Or is that uh, same as cannabis as the cannabis industry? CBD right now is very challenging, I'd say, particularly in the edible space because of the gray area that we're in with the FDA. And I don't know if you saw the news this morning, um, today's January 26th, and, um, you know, the um, FDA just announced um, that they are not going to uh, move forward right now with looking at um, the regulations around CBD edibles. Mm. Um, so the... What that means is that when you have a product that can be sold through mainstream channels like CBD can be, it's extremely different from a regulated product like a THC product, which can only be sold legally through dispensaries or, or home delivery in some states through a licensed delivery service. So very, very different scenario. Um, with CBD, uh, one of the big challenges that you face is not just the distribution challenge, because without FDA clarity, there's going to be lots of retailers who are going to decide that they don't want to put it on their shelves just yet. Mm -hmm. But um, the ability to differentiate a CBD product is quite a bit more difficult, I would say, than a THC product. Um, so 
Uh, and there's a number of reasons for that, which we can get into. So I think that there are um, some pretty significant challenges to being successful in, with a CBD product at this point in time. Okay. All right. Um, so let's see, looking at the time, um, we have a little bit of time left. Switching gears, um, I would assume that, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would assume that at this point in, in the company's life, you have uh, an unlimited number of possibilities of, of the types of products or even just sticking with gummies, right? Like all sorts of different ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, I, I've seen companies getting into adding different, let's say vitamins and other minerals. So like, it's no longer just cannabis here or just yes. CBD, right? You have this mm -hmm. whole world opening up. Um, mm -hmm. How do you decide what to go into next? Like what's, mm -hmm. what, you know, how, what are the conversations that you guys have that you, make you think, okay, well, this is the next thing to go after. That's a great question. And, you know, I am a marketer by background. So my orientation is to always understand what it is that consumers want mm -hmm. and need. Now, it's a particularly interesting and challenging um, question when you're in the THC space where the product is still so new that many people cannot articulate what they need or want from the product. It's kind of like, you know, I, I'll liken it to like say TiVo, when TiVo first came out, I don't think people were sitting around saying, do you know what I need? I really need a, I need a product right. that records my television program so that I can watch it whenever I want. Mm -hmm. um, so there, one of the, the challenges I think of being an innovator in the THC space is that there is this sweet spot that you're always trying to hit between um, developing products that are unique and meet a consumer need but also understanding where consumers are in terms of their knowledge of the product category, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You can't get too far ahead of yourself. You can't get too fancy schmancy with, you know, um, very esoteric type products. So what we really do is we, we do um, subscribe to and, and fund a lot of market research, really mm -hmm. trying to understand what it is that people are using cannabis for, um, I think the recreational uses of it are, are pretty well understood, although I can elaborate even, I think there's nuance even within that. Um, but really the health and wellness categories are what I focus on in terms of what guides wanna in terms of our product development. So for example, we know that particularly in these crazy times with COVID and everything else that's going on in the world, sleep and anxiety are huge issues for mm -hmm. people. Uh, in the health and wellness space. Um, and people are also looking for things that, um, you know, give them energy, um, help them with sports recovery. So a lot of it is very, I would say, use case specific in terms of what we look at going forward and what guides us in terms of what we're going to be focusing on next from a product development point of view. And you made a great point is that it's really not just you know, putting THC in a product and we're, we're all done, you know, now it's far more nuanced. There's, uh, we do a ton of, of work with, with terpene profiles. Um, terpenes are uh, one of the plant compounds that are found in cannabis and they give the product not only their distinctive taste and smell, but they're responsible for a lot of the medicinal and wellness benefits as well. So we do a lot with terpenes, we're working a lot with some of the minor cannabinoids. In addition to CBD, there's many other ones. And as you mentioned, also functional ingredients. So um, it's gotten a lot more interesting and a lot more sophisticated. 
as we start really looking at <clears throat> how do we begin to combine these things to create the most effective products for people. Okay. And then how do you bridge the understanding that there might be a need here and we can make this product and then the marketing of it? Uh, because in, in the hemp world, you know, we can't say, oh, well, this helps with this, that, and the other. Um, it may be a clarifying question before. Can you make those claims with cannabis? You know, you can make them more than you can with, with uh, CBD. Okay. Um, okay. Because it's not federally regulated, you know, mm -hmm. the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away in terms of, you know, the pros and cons of, of legalization. Sure. But one of the, the pros is that it, it's not quite as regulated. Now, be that as it may, we try very much to never err on the side of making claims about things that we don't feel are accurate. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not held to kind of quite the same stringency that CBD which would fall more under the supplement type uh, guidelines in terms of what you can say and what you can't say. Right. Um, so it is, it is um, a bit easier with, with THC products. Yeah, because the FTC is going on a tear right now uh, yeah. with all the COVID claims. Mm -hmm. uh, as they should. People. Yeah, uh, yeah. Honestly, as they should. I mean, I, I think that the CBD industry runs the risk of shooting itself in the foot with these, you know, wild claims that people are making about what you can expect from a CBD product. Yes. I just, the, the strangest one that I saw this week was someone claiming that horse milk can uh, prevent COVID. What, what's that? Horse milk can prevent COVID. Horse milk. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> so the, the FTC slapped. I, I forget what the fine was, but I, I was just thinking, what? Like, where did that come from? <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, it's all the CBD companies were, uh, were in there. Uh, so, you know, that's always interesting for us to consider because, uh, like, for example, in, in my front of mind, like, I love health and fitness and just exercise and uh, constantly hearing from friends about it, about what they could need or, or want and we can make all those kinds of things and, and I can sell it to them but beyond that just to communicate that besides yeah. say like an influencer that's in that particular space uh yeah. it's like how do you how do you phrase things that you're not saying this will cure your marriage uh but just that <laughs> it can it can help in that section i uh, just wondering how you as a marketer how you think about you know kind of solving that problem or fitting a product in someone's mind without explicitly saying this is for this thing Yes, I mean, that is the, the art, if you will, of, of marketing supplements in general, not, not just um, CPD. Now, of course, the, the, the real fix, if you will, is to invest the money to do the research so that you have an actual study that you can point to. But honestly, even with a study, you have to be very sensitive to what you say. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, it, it's a very um, slippery slope. And so for, as a marketer, you know, you can, you can do a variety of different things. You, you know, and we, you asked me what guides our product development uh, uh, decisions. And it's the same thing on CBD. We do look at a lot of the market research. We look at what people are using CBD for. Um, you know, some of the, the analytics companies and the market research companies have sort of developed personas, if you will, of different types of CBD users. And you can use those personas to guide the images that you use in your advertising, um, you know, the, the type of people who you're showing in your advertising, um, the situation in which you are putting them, you know, you don't have to say CBD is the best thing for sleep, but you can show somebody kind of, you know, with a 
bottle of CBD next to their bed and kind of mm-hmm. get the same thing across. Um, but the but still, the rules about making claims are are stringent, and the FDA are not a bunch of dummies. And you know they they know when when you are making an implicit claim, even when you don't say the words. Right. So there's a lot to consider and a lot to think about, yeah, and it's so. very challenging. Yeah. It's very challenging to differentiate your product. Mm-hmm. Uh, and talking about differentiation, so one of the things about your company is that you, uh, I'm not sure how recently you came out with the fast acting uh, gummies. And is that, uh, am I thinking this clearly that you're using the Azuka product in those gummies or is there something else that's creating that fast acting effect? No, we are, we're partnered with Azuka, which is a technology, uh, the technology uh, provider that we're using. Um, they use a, a an encapsulation method, method called TIME, and it stands for something long and scientific-y, which yeah. I just call it. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that's actually, you know, a great uh, example of, um, we actually spent two years working on our, our um, quick formulation. Mm. Uh, and we tried over 20 different type of quick onset technologies uh, until we found one that really did what we wanted, which is that it was truly quick. Some of them are what I call quicker instead of an hour, maybe they're 30 minutes or 35 mm-hmm. minutes. This is five to 15 minutes and it didn't negatively impact the taste of the product. Um, so the reason that we felt really strongly about the whole quick product line, and we are continuing to innovate around that is that um, my, my sense was that there was a whole group of people who were not using edibles for one of two reasons, or perhaps both. One, they didn't like the, the long onset. They didn't like having to wait an hour. And secondly, they didn't necessarily like the type of feel that they got from it. Um, edibles tend to, they're metabolized through the liver. They tend to give a very sort of heavy body based feeling of mm-hmm. intoxication, if you right. will. Um, some people like that, some people don't. Some people prefer sort of the lighter, more cerebral high of uh, an inhalable. And uh, because of the encapsulation methodology that we use with Quick, it does not metabolize through the liver. And because of that, it doesn't convert to what we call an 11-hydroxy form of THC, which is what happens when it goes to the liver. It stays as a delta-9 form, which is what it happens when you smoke or when you vape or use a concentrate. So the experience is very different. And in fact, what we found is that we were right. There was in fact, it, it, because we, we experienced tremendous growth with the quick line without any uh, apparent cannibalization to our classic line, which says to me, this is actually a different group of people who are using this product. Yeah, okay, that's great. Uh, love to try that at some point. Uh, I, despite being in this world, I think a lot of my friends assume that I, I'm smoking weed all day, but I, I don't. Um, and I actually don't necessarily enjoy um, being, let's say, out of control or just, you know, that with the intoxication effect. The very first time uh, that I ate a gummy was out in Colorado uh, a couple of years ago, and um, it took forever. Um, and I took too much, and then we were out in public, and I just did not have a pleasant experience. You know, so like yeah. I'm, I'm waiting, I'm telling my friend, like, oh, well, this is not doing anything. And all of a sudden, it hits me. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, whoa, this is totally not what I what I signed up for. So I think having something that is quick and just yeah. knowing right away like what's happening, I think that would have given me more uh, maybe security or just comfort. Totally feeling what's happening more yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so switching gears real quickly, uh, I know we're running out of time here soon, is um, what, I think you're, you're sitting at a pretty good position uh, within the industry and you probably can see sort of the, the landscape better than probably a lot of people. Where do you see challenges or opportunities? How would you want to answer that? And maybe in, in places that people are not taking advantage of or, or things that the industry really could use right now? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one of the uh, lovely challenges, I guess, of the industry is that there's so much opportunity that you're in the position of having to pick and choose between opportunities versus mm -hmm. trying to find an opportunity. Mm -hmm. I sometimes joke that we're, we're an industry of magpies, that we're going after every shiny thing that comes in front of us. And one of the key things uh, for success, I believe, is focus. Um, you cannot do everything. And that's why if you look at Juana's portfolio, you'll see that we don't have every single product form. We don't have beverages and candy and chocolate and gummies and vapes and concentrates. We're, we're very focused on particular platforms that we think are flexible and popular. Um, so when I think about opportunity, it falls into a couple of different categories for me. Um, one of them is just geographic opportunity. Uh, you know, you can, depending on your political persuasion, you, you would say that, you know, either this last election was, was wonderful or terrible, but I think nobody can argue with the fact that cannabis was one of the big winners of this last round of elections. You know, every state that had it on the ballot passed it. Um, there's many, many more states looking for 2021 either for medical or for legalization. So just choosing your geographic opportunities is key. And Juana's been extremely successful with that. We are now in 11 states plus Canada. Um, and I would say that we have one of the largest, if not the largest footprints of any of the edibles brands uh, out there. Uh, and we've got a lot more expansion coming. And then, of course, beyond what we can do in the United States, we're now starting to see a lot of international activity as well. So that is one big category of opportunity. The next big category of opportunity is really what we've been talking about, which is the innovation. And uh, we have a very robust R&D pipeline of products that we're working on. Um, and the picking and the choosing of where you put your energy from an innovation and R&D perspective goes back to what we were talking about earlier, sort of that, that uh, feel that you have. It's informed by being in the marketplace. It's informed by market research and consumer research. And then your own gut, like, I think the market's just ready for this, or this is a little bit complicated, but I think with the right level of education, we can get people there in terms of understanding it. Um, so those are kind of the, the, the two big buckets, I guess, of opportunity that I would, would um, talk about. Um, I love your strategic mindset. Like, it seems like you, you really draw these things out. And I don't know physically or whether just in your mind, uh, like, it, whereas, um, not necessarily in a bad way, but, uh, some other folks that I talked to in the industry, um, maybe they do have that shiny object syndrome of we're going <laughs> here and we're going there. And then yeah. I suffer from that, you know, to an extent, that's something I'm, I'm working on. Uh, but I think it takes a lot of work to just focus and say no to a lot of opportunities, especially as your company grows. You, know, you have yeah. more attention, more opportunities, more roads, mm -hmm. um, but that could be the crux of your company if you don't continue to do what you are good at. Mm -hmm. um, if, 
one of the benefits of coming onto the podcast, Nancy, let me tell you, is that you get a fake million dollars to invest in an opportunity. <laughs> so if you had to, just you yourself, you had this million dollars and you said like, you know what, I'm going to invest in something that can either bring me a lot of financial gain or help the industry or just something that, you know, maybe people are not seeing very well. Like, what would that be? Not one, but just you as a person. Ah, okay. Interesting. Within the cannabis and hemp space though. Yeah. That is that my constraint for my million dollars? I don't yes. want to like, you know, I don't want to squander my fake million you, you dollars. Can't, you can't buy a boat with it. No. I can't. Okay. <laughs> There's no little islander. No, 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 no. <laughs> Um, you know, I, it, it would be for, for me, it would definitely be in the innovation space. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I think one of the talking about sort of having a strategic focus, one of the areas that I think, uh, cannabis brands have to really be thinking about strategically is the build versus buy or partner decision. Mm -hmm. Right. So we have chosen, in, in a couple of really important instances to partner with companies that we think are leaders in their technology category, whether it be terpenes or quick onset technologies or extended release technologies. And then there's other things that we invest in internally where we want to develop our own IP and control our own IP. Um, and, um, you know, there's, there's things that I, if, you know, with my, my magical million dollars, I would probably um, put more energy and uh, particularly on the um, scientific study side of things, which has been challenging for reasons that mm, I don't really understand. Right. Um, uh, so I, I think that, that I would be taking a lot of that million dollars and putting it into um, to R and D and innovation. And then I would also be putting a lot of it into education and marketing because you can have the most innovative products in the world, but if you're not successful at communicating those and helping people understand them and to be excited about them, then you've only done half the job. Mm, okay. Perfect. Have I spent my million dollars wisely? I think, yeah, you probably have a couple of bucks left for a soda or something. I don't okay, know. cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. And then, so we have a couple minutes left. It, do you have any sense of what um, you think, let, let's say about uh, in the world of hemp, where companies or entrepreneurs should focus on to prepare for the next 12, 12 months or 12, 18 months, 24 months or so? You know, last year was um, pretty transforming for the industry as a whole. So where do you see things now that folks should, should start to invest in, whether it's time or money or effort uh, to better set themselves up for the future? You know, I have I have a little bit of a different answer whether it's it's hemp or um, let's talk about hemp if you can. Okay, so on the hemp side, um, <clears throat> I do think that. <clears throat> excuse me for one second. Mm -hmm, sure. I do think that uh, it is more challenging on the hemp side to come up with highly differentiated products for two reasons. First of all, you have less variables to play with. Without the THC. Um, that takes away, you know, a number of, of sort of variables, if you will. Um, but I think that uh, there is an opportunity through um, innovation, um, through uh, adding other ingredients and functional ingredients, other cannabinoids, terpenes, et cetera, to be developing more differentiated products. 
But honestly, I think the big challenge on the hemp side is distribution mm. and that that's going to be the thing that people need to do the most to, um, to really move themselves along. And that could take a number of different forms. Uh, I think it, it means, you know, increasing your expertise on the direct to consumer model. Uh, the whole world is going online anyway, and that's mm. just been helped by, by the pandemic, obviously. So people really building their expertise and their chops in terms of reaching people digitally, I think is a key part. And then the other is really um, trying to get yourself in the right position so that when the FDA position on things is clearer, you have a clear pipeline towards mainstream retail and what you're gonna need to do to be successful there. Okay, all right, perfect. All right. This is like a masterclass with you, Nancy. Thank you. Uh, so is there, um, so we, we have uh, just a, a couple of minutes left. I want to make sure you have time before your next meeting. Uh, any last parting thoughts or, or words or, or ask if someone wants to get a hold of you or connect with you? Anything you'd like to leave us with? You know, um, I always, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and that's probably the easiest way to try to connect with me. Um, always happy to, you know, um, learn more about what people are doing and, uh, to try to be helpful to, to people as they're kind of on their own journeys, trying okay. to get this figured out. It's a complicated world out there and we need to help each other. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great. Well, I'll put that uh, link in uh, the, the show notes uh, so folks can reach out if they would like. So um, I have 5,000 other questions, but we'll leave that maybe <laughs> do a round two in the future. Uh, so Nancy, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know you're, you have a lot of things going on. So uh, hopefully we can do another round in the future when you're available. Okay. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate your time All too. Right. Have a great day. You too. Hey guys, and before you go, this is Jason from Spectrum Labs. Please be sure to visit us on the web at thespectrumlabs.com for any show notes and links discussed in the podcast. Also, remember to click the subscribe button wherever you may be listening from so you get notified when our next episode comes out. And tune in next show and have a fantastic day.